My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Worst Year Ever, we'll get through it together, or not. Everything is so dumb, 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 This is the Worst Year Ever, a podcast we all get paid to do, and yet um, don't, don't, don't introduce with any kind of gravity or respect for our professional competence. Was, a bit which will eventually run dry, but which hasn't yet. Yeah. Which gravity there? Those are THX opening. Mm-hmm. We really yeah. like to make it unappealing to be listening if you're <laughs> if you're new to us. Um, yeah, for the love of God. Stay away. <laughs> what are stay you doing? The fuck out. Yeah, what are you doing? Find another podcast. Go listen to Come Down. <laughs> and that's how um, we all get fired. Yeah, well. So speaking of fire, telling people not to listen at the very beginning. Of the <laughs> that's how you. That's how you not start a, bad a podcast, reason. Cody. It's not a bad reason. That's how Go you start on, a podcast. Kid. It's like how classically uh, in his first breakout hit, Terminator, James Cameron opened the movie by insulting the audience for forty-seven straight minutes. Um, <laughs> which went yeah, on to become like that. one of cinema's great hits. You know, mm-hmm. that's our. Well, goal. He's an innovator. You know, he's an innovator and our producer. Um, well, executive producer, James Cameron. Right. Well, that's why we're recording this under the sea. $40 billion to produce. (laughs) Yeah. We're we're in the abyss right now. (laughs) Yeah, this this whole thing is recorded in the depths of the Marianas Trench. We're all all breathing that fluid right now. Yeah, he's working on building our new podcast studio at the Mm -hmm. bottom of the Titanic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very grateful. We're very grateful. (laughs) Thank thank you. Um, we should talk about the horrific violence in Colombia. We should. Great pivot. Uh, Thank oh, you. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. You know what's not at the bottom of the Marianas Trench? Uh, public awareness of the war crimes of the Colombian state. Well, hey. not war crimes, but you know. There we go. Kind That's of. where they'd like them to be. That there is where they'd go. like them to be. Yes, Cody. Thank you for tying that all together. <laughs> We're going to do our best to make that not true today. Uh, well... 
Yeah. So I don't know. We should probably start by chatting a little bit about Plan Columbia because I think that ties in to, to everything we're going to talk about. And we, we've talked, chatted about this a bit before when we talked about um, one of the episodes we did about Joe Biden because Joe Biden famously took credit for Plan Columbia. Um, it's not all on him, but he was, of course, a, a big, a big like backer of the idea. And and the 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 gist of it is, starting in the year two thousand, um, the U.S. government started sending just a fuckload of money in military aid, in weapons, and in straight cash to the Colombian governments in order to eradicate the cocaine trade. Um, the goal of Plan Colombia, the like stated goal, was to cut coca production by fifty percent. Um, Colombia has at uh, cut it with what? It, it, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's 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 a good that's a good segue, Cody. Because uh, <laughs> since Plan Colombia started in 2020, there have only been two years where Colombia was not the number one cocaine producer on the planet. Uh, and in those two years, it, it wasn't because Colombian production really dropped. It was because Peru got a lot better at making coke. Yep. Um, and Colombia is still the number one cocaine producer. Plan Colombia has achieved roughly nothing in terms <laughs> Wait, of reducing. Did you just say that it only it started in 2020? No, 2000. 2000, 2000. Is, oh, when, oh. is when Plan Colombia started. Okay. Um, and so My we've, we've poured $10 billion into the Colombian military and the police um, and the intelligence apparatus. We've sent in special forces. We've trained a lot of their guys with our guys. Um, and nothing has been accomplished in terms of the eradication of Colombian cocaine. Um, as you will know if you have been to a nightclub before, you know, the plague hit. Mm. Um, I assume there's still places to buy cocaine today. But if you're not buying cocaine in a bathroom, what are you What are you even doing with cocaine? <laughs> you're doing nothing. Yeah, you're not using cocaine, right? No, you're not. Cocaine is meant to be consumed in a bathroom stall off of the screen of your friend's phone. Exactly. Randomly unexpected. Key. You weren't really going to that night, but you're like, sure okay, weren't. it's here. Okay, well, <laughs> just a little bit, and then you mm-hmm. go from there. Yeah, exactly. Um, that has not gotten harder to do as the result of Plan Columbia. <laughs> what has gotten yeah. harder? The, pan- the pandemic has worked better than Plan Columbia. <laughs> no, yes, yes, it absolutely has. <laughs> um, what Plan Columbia has done is allowed the Colombian government to brutally crack down on left wing opposition, uh, both in terms of uh, the FARC, which is a I don't know, you could call them like a, a leftist insurgent organization, mm-hmm. but also in terms of like local villages and towns that are just more sympathetic to uh, different left wing groups than they are to the government. Um, there have been numerous massacres of civilians by the government, uh, as well as massacres of left wing politicians, um, just a shitload of violence, because primarily like and, and how the U.S. government has kind of justified continuing to fund the Colombian government is we've continued to say, you know, this is still we're only giving the money to eradicate drugs, but because different left-wing groups fund themselves through the sales of cocaine, it, it counts as fighting cocaine if they're just murdering leftists in the mountains. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't think is rad, um, but it, the U.S. government, bad. I guess, does. And and what we're seeing, we're going to talk you know, about this all today, but there's a shitload of horrific violence in Colombia by the police. And we you know, have a, hel- a heavily militarized police force using weapons they got from us. Um, you know, helicopters that the U.S. sent Colombia have been firing on protesters, all that shit. Um, yeah, I want to uh, I want to read a quote from an article in The Guardian about uh, Plan Colombia um, that I think kind of uh, gives a decent you know overview of some of what we've been talking about. Quote, 
Initially, Plan Colombia was described as a counter-narcotics and military strengthening strategy, and the focus was on massive drug, cr drug crop spraying, building up military capacity, and offering some incentives to coca growers to switch to legal crops. Andres Prastrana, the Colombian president under whom Plan Colombia began, says the strategy was a turning point in the country's decades-old war. Before the plan, security forces were on the defensive and on the verge of military defeat by guerrillas, he told The Guardian in an emailed response to questions. Afraid of getting bogged down in a Vietnam-style quagmire, Congress and Initially restricted the use of donated helicopters and other hardware strictly to fighting drug production and trafficking. A battalion of 3,000 men trained by U.S. Special Forces could not be used to combat the guerrillas or paramilitaries unless their targets were clearly protecting drug labs or coca fields. That ended after the 9-11 attacks in New York and Washington, when the U.S. became openly engaged in fighting narco-terrorism in Colombia. That is where Pol Planned Colombia did succeed, in helping the Colombian government take control, in some areas for the first time, of its territory, fighting back guerrillas to mountain and jungle redoubts and driving them to begin peace negotiations with the government in 2012. So that's what's actually happened with Plan mm -hmm. Colombia. It's it's been kind of under the auspices of fighting drugs. It's really been to allow the right wing government of Colombia to beat the leftist guerrillas into, you know, negotiating a peace. You can have whatever opinion on that you want, but a lot of what we're going to talk about today, the horrific violence being done to civilians who are protesting, um is the end result of a military that has been trained only and, and a police force that's been trained only mm -hmm. to do that, that's been trained by the United States to use deadly force to stop political enemies of the government. Yeah. So that's, but that's the uh, only time the U.S. has done this. Oh. Kind of yes, thing, this though, is a, so. a that's what everyone calls Colombia. The one time the U.S. interfered in a nation's politics to stop left wing so social it, movement. Yeah, at least this, we're not making not the same mistake phrase, over but... and over again. At mm -hmm. least we're not doing that. Um, no. If every if the world knows one thing about Americans, it's that we only make each mistake once. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you said, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> yeah. said you can have any opinion you want about that, and I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's fine. <laughs> the standard opinion. Yeah. yeah. Classic, classic American opinion. So, yeah, and Biden is, you know, Biden's a big part of Plan Columbia because he was a major backer of it. He's also like kind of everyone is like this is not something there has been meaningful yeah. disagreement between Republicans and Democrats on. They both have kept pissing money into yeah. the Colombian military state for the same purpose. Um, totally good to dunk on Biden for this. But like, again, they're all complicit because this is something that's not controversial within the U.S. electorate. American citizens don't really give a shit about this as a block. And so it doesn't matter what they do. Um, right. And Biden's always been very, like, vocal about these kinds of things. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he was always like, you know, the the bipartisan law and order guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so he, of course, would be very, very supportive of this kind of thing. And this is, you know, you, you can talk about, we'll be talking about Israel soon, but like there are there are members of the Israeli government that are very good at talking to American citizens and politicians in, in the way that makes them sympathetic, which is to talk about terrorism, which is a thing that Americans kind of blindly will throw money at. Mm -hmm. Drugs are a thing Americans will kind of blindly throw money at, which is yeah. why it's framed this way, as we've, mm -hmm. we're stopping the production of deadly drugs. No, you're, I mean, that's a little bit of what you're doing, but it's not stopping the drug trade. You're actually just bombing and executing people who disagree with this government um, in the mountains. And, you know, of course, there's tie-ins to a lot of these different left-wing groups are seen as being bad for U.S. businesses that are based in, in Colombia. And this is a thing that's happened elsewhere in Central America. So I don't want to, like, reduce all of that. But, um, you know, that's the broad strokes of kind of what's what we've been doing in Colombia for years. And obviously, we started fucking around there and funding 
the right wing in Colombia and sending over military advisors way before the year 2000. The School of the Americas is heavily tied in this, right? We've been doing this shit since like the 70s at least. Um, but Plan Colombia, I think, officially kicked off in 2000. Yeah, it's um, yeah, shades of all the things that we do. Yeah. But things cool. are fine now. Um, yeah, things are great in Colombia, and that's the end of the episode. Go visit <laughs> Bogota, the place where nothing is violent. Uh, I don't know what to say right now. We should talk about like what that, what's actually happening there now. We should talk um, about what's that. I mean, yeah. I just get so angry whenever I, I I learn about our impact. Learn more. Remember. Reminded all the things about our uh, uh, the things that we do around the world, and uh, and I know we joked about it, but we have done this a lot, and uh, we sure have. And and it just feels like screaming into the void sometimes. But here we are. We are going to talk about it. Yeah, it's one of those things where um, one of the traps we get stuck into is um, domestically there's a pretty significant da- di- difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. And I disagree with people who say that there's not. Like you can see it just a recent example would be um, Biden trying to stick with the Trump refugee caps and getting shamed and increasing right. it to 65,000. You know, that's 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 not meaningless. There's a number of examples like that. I mean, um, you don't have the – Democratic Party making all these like anti-trans bills. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There are significant differences between the two parties domestically. Internationally. No. Not as much as there should be. You know, you can make a claim about like, for example, um, civilian deaths as a result of U.S. drone strikes and airstrikes leapt massively when Trump took office for a number of different policy reasons. Among them, he um, stopped the military from needing to report civilian casualties as a result of our airstrikes. We don't know if they've gone down. Like it's, it, we don't. We, Biden hasn't been in office enough. Like maybe after a year or so, we'll be able mm-hmm. to to tell if there's if if that difference. Like if things drop back down, hard to say. There's also the complicating factor of of ISIS being more active when Trump took office. But generally speaking, domestically, there's a big difference between the two parties. Internationally. They both do a lot of the same shit, a yeah. lot of the exact same shit, and because, mostly just rubber stamp the same things, like yeah, playing Columbia. I just, this is simplistic, but as we talked about a moment ago, you know, a lack of awareness of what's happening internationally, just in general, people, our American attention span being so short and not conditioned to looking externally at, at other places um, and really thinking about, critically about our, our actions and, and the influence worldwide means that. There's not public pressure. We can pressure Biden domestically, but most people um, aren't tuned in enough to. And so at the end of the day, it just also highlights they're all fucking politicians. And, you know, yeah. if, if if there was a big liberal uprise, a movement of people saying, no, this is important. This is stuff that we have to be talking about and caring about. Maybe we would see more pressure on politicians. I don't know. I don't Maybe. Know. But, yeah, it is. It's it like... would take a lot, you know. Well, so ingrained in in America, um, it's a bipartisan effort. Like America, like regardless of party, it is America first. Like yeah. that's that is what it is. It's just Trump is a, a more grotesque and obvious version of it, um, heightened for sure. Um, well, because he's but literally yeah, like, saying America first, but yeah, right, right. But like the mindset is still there, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, the difference is in sort of like the delicate touch or the you know the sort of aesthetic. Like we're trying to uh, paint a, a nicer face on it, um, but when yeah. you really get down to it, it's very, very similar. Um, yeah. But um, okay, so uh, <laughs> but yeah, Cody, you want to get us started on why shit started in, um, in Colombia? Taxes. 
taxes. Uh, we love yeah. taxes, don't we, folks? Uh, yeah, there were a lot of regressive taxes uh, or regressive taxes uh, imposed um, that uh, caused what we what we call for quite a lot. Actually, is a general basically a general strike mm-hmm. um, in response to uh, what was it uh, lowering the threshold at which salaries are taxed, affecting anyone with a monthly income of $684 or more. Okay, so it's only going after the rich. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, uh, what a fucking figure that is. Yeah, My God. I mean, it's... You've seen some of the same shit done by Macron in France. Obviously, you know, there's differences, but, like, the basic idea of we're, we're hitting... It's this thing that happens all over in the neoliberal world. Um, things have gotten difficult. It's time to tax the working class. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the working class in Colombia yeah. was like, that ain't it, dude. No, what, no, not, not this time. That, what was that in- <clears throat> income threshold again? What was that? Uh, monthly income of $684 or more. Oh, my God. I don't think I let that hit me hard enough. That I mean, and it's, you know, the, 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 the financial situation is different there, but not that different. Not that's, that different. That's not a lot of money. Yeah. Almost half half the population is in poverty. A country uh, that, yes, is, is so impoverished, you're, you're trying to make it worse you're trying to exacerbate that poverty you're just trying not to fuck with the people who fund the government yeah and the people who fund the government aren't the people who are protesting it yep uh by and large yeah um and by fund the government i mean like bribe the politicians not they bribe the politicians to not pay more in taxes (laughs) yeah um um, yeah, there would also be a VAT tax, which is like a value-added tax. We don't call it that in the United States, but it's a tax on like normal goods that people need to survive, and yeah. thus is a tax that will primarily impact people without very much money. Who struggle to survive. Yeah, who struggle to survive. And it's kind of – you see this pitched a lot by libertarians in the US that like we shouldn't have income tax. We should just have like a national sales tax. And it's like, well – because that, and they're like, well, that's fair. Everybody just has to pay, you know, the same sales tax for <laughs> mm-hmm. stuff they buy. It's like, yeah, but that's not as fair for people who were poor because they can't avoid the sales tax. Whereas we say with an income tax, if you're getting below a certain income, you don't have to. Yeah, it's the same. It's, also, again, it's the same. That would shit mean that the, in- the sales does. tax would have to be much higher. Yes, it does. It, and it, right. again, it right. means that Which, the people yeah. that make less won't be able to afford the things. Okay, so. even less. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, even less. All right. Anyway, yeah, seems bad. Um, and uh, it also, you know, as we've talked about, I don't know if you've heard, there is a pandemic going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so unemployment on the rise, a lot of problems, and this sort of uh, this did it. Um, rallies started to get organized, um, and uh, the president tried to withdraw it, but that was too late. Yeah. Well, um, because in the interim, you know, people are protesting, and of course, you're seeing even more of this police violence, which isn't solely happening during this. It's a, a problem anyway. Right, it's a problem we'll anyway. Talk about, yeah. But, you know, it's about so much more than just the income tax thing uh, at the moment. Right. Well, you get you get people participating in a general strike and you get people in the streets and then you see all the, you know, the state violence and uh, the state's response to it. Um, it's hard to put that cat back in the bag uh, once yeah. uh, people's eyes get more and more opened uh, on what the state will do to them, but also on the power of everybody coming together for mm-hmm. a cause. 
Um, yeah, and I think it depends. You know, we had a, our version of this last year um, in a lot of places, and I think one of the reasons, you know, there's a number of reasons it died down. Um, some of them were the fact that that Trump was, you know, pretty soundly had his ass kicked politically, but a big part of it was people, the state violence was really horrific. Um, and after a while people had enough and they had lives that were broadly comfortable, um, to return to most of them. Um, and this is not necessarily the case for a place with as many people in poverty as Colombia and as desperate mm-hmm. a situation as Colombia. One of the mm-hmm. things that's been happening there is because, you know, they added like 2.8 million new people in poverty as a result of the, um, of of the coronavirus and one of the things extreme that extreme poverty yeah extreme poverty and and one of the things that be, kind of went viral there was families who did not have enough food to eat who were starving tying like red uh strips of fabric around their doors awful um and that is the kind of thing that can make that can give i don't know what you want to call it a protest movement uh, an insurrection more legs yeah i mean it's 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 life and death for everybody. Whereas, yes, our protest movements are also about life and death. But but yeah, m- way... set of circumstances. Right, you can put your BLM sign in the yard and uh, I mean, sort of you know yeah. dust, dust yourself off, right? I mean, just take a moment to say I am blown away and impressed and inspired by these general protest movements rising up in the face of extreme danger you know when we talked about this a few weeks ago about myanmar you know as well uh but i hate the circumstances of bringing that to about of course to about oof words. to about yeah nice work katie really oh. nailed it there um well it's to about time for uh, an ad break there we go thanks so uh, right, well, now we we're can't going cut. to pivot to yeah. an ad about Whatever it is for. See, guys, now we can't ask for my little fumble to be cut. What fumble? No. I didn't. I didn't but hear. But we a can't. Fumble. We can't cut. You can't edit audio anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't want to edit perfection. So no, yeah. never. Anyway, yes. go go. Listen to ads. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everything's so dumb, 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 dumb. Oh, God. You know what's great is being back with all you people talking mm-hmm. about state violence. Oh. Oh, I see. I see what we're doing. What's violent? My state of well, all of them, really. Um, uh, yeah. where, where did we Where did we kick off here? Where did we kick uh, off? Yeah, kicking it off with where we left off. Um, <laughs> the protests did not subside, despite mm-hmm. the tax uh, being um, rescinded. Yeah. Because it's about more than just the taxes. Yeah, the tax was, it's like with Chile, right? When those kids started hopping fares and then, you know, getting the shit kicked out of them. Like, that's the fare increase in the subway is kind of like what sparked things. But, like, that wasn't what it was about. You know? Yeah. You know, it's just like how last year's uprisings, the spark was George Floyd's murder. It wasn't just about that, you know, like it never is. It's just eventually there's always something that is too much. And this tax was too much. And the government did what governments always do. And they tried to uh, stop the uprising by pushing, you know, canceling the one thing that they assumed was the root of the problem. Yeah. Um, They said, whoopsie. Um, uh, Yeah. Because, they thought, yeah, well, the, okay, okay, but that before, was too far. Ooh, an oopsie the line, noodles by the government. The but before my, my, they my did my the my oopsie, my they murdered a bunch of people. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. an important context. Yeah. I mean, but who among us hasn't murdered a bunch of people? I raising my hand. Yeah, oh, I'm raising my hand. Okay, so everybody's right everybody's big league in me. All right. Yeah, <laughs> take that, Sophie. Murderer, Sophie apparently. Silent, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Sophie. What do you want uh, from me? How many, how many people have you murdered? Raise I your mean, hands. I don't number. know a lot. Okay, so we're 50-50 here. 50-50, right, well, see? Both sides. Yeah. Both sides. Violence on both, Violence on both sides of this sides. podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so back to Columbia. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, as we talked about, like unemployment has basically doubled in Columbia since the um, 
the pandemic began, their GDP dropped seven dropped about seven percent, while poverty rose to nearly half of the country, forty two point five percent. There's a new variant of the virus in the country, mm-hmm. which is um, further fucking up things for everybody. Um, so it's just es- like especially hitting, yeah, you know, impoverished communities, mm-hmm. which is now half the country. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it's one of those things. I think. As a result of the severity of the economic situation, there's a good chance we're dealing with um, a situation where the protests, the uprising, whatever you want to call it, is less likely to die down Mm -hmm. um, because people don't have a life to go back to. It's kind of more existential. Um, You know, we whereas when when folks, number one, have uh, less of a reason, like more of a reason to be afraid of incarceration or something. Um, but also just when, you know, when protesting is, or, uh, you know, when participating in the uprising is something that takes them away from the comforts of their life. Well, if they don't have those comforts because their, right. their life fell apart before shit started. Yeah. And, 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 you know, <laughs> the risk of death is worth it in order to try to, you know, that's a really important perspective to keep in mind that when your life is so bad and your conditions are so bad that risking death is 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 the only option that's a yeah. desperate situation yeah and i think it's because a lot of people would say continuing the status quo is death the government was yeah, offering death exactly. by you know trying to take more money from us when we're already starving um it's death versus death and at least we'll go out fighting you know if we go out or maybe we'll win hopefully they win but I think that's kind of how a lot of people see it. Um, and yeah, uh, in the since things started as like and things kicked off in about May 7th, uh, at least 37 protesters have been killed. We're probably looking at an actual number that's much higher than that. Like you talk people are there's something somewhere around 100 people have just gone missing. And that number is probably mm-hmm. higher, too, um, because, again, this is a government that was trained by the U.S., including special forces and like our fucking spook networks to disappear people, right? Like, that's that's part of the fucking job that they were taught how to do. Um, so we don't actually know the death count, and we may never know the true death count. Thousands of people have been injured. Um, and most of the munitions being used are rubber rounds, foam rounds, tear gas, flashbangs. Um, but real live rounds have also been used a number of times. There have been cases of um, hooded military and police officers firing semi-automatic rifles into crowds uh, that included mothers and children. Um, from The Guardian, quote, few th- scenes have been quite so hellish as those in Silo, uh, Reyes' mountainside home, where police have used live rounds, flown Blackhawks just above houses, and fired tear gas for nights on end. They fumigate us like we're insects, Reyes said. I've seen people with COVID on ventilators who can't breathe, and they seem in less pain than the kids drowning in those gases. And again, not only is the tear gas manufactured by Defense Technologies, uh, but those Blackhawks came courtesy of our tax dollars mm-hmm. too. Part of that ten billion in aid that went to yeah. the Colombian military. There yeah, we go we, again. We love exporting yeah. weapons mm-hmm. of death. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, and this is the kind of stuff, like you said, like this is the kind of stuff that's been happening. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's the most uh, blatant now because of what they're responding to. I just have a question, uh, and that is, what is the U.S. response currently to the protests? Um, well, not much. Not much yeah. at all, that's, right? Yeah, yeah. That's basically, like a, yeah. because I saw, like, we would, 
um, stop sending aid or whatever if they don't rescind the the you know the new law. I don't know. Um, but there, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like I haven't seen much in terms of what our response is to what's happening. Yeah, I um, mean, I have I have seen nothing. Um, yeah, I, from I at least not. from like the administration. Um, yeah. Um, we've had some U.S. lawmakers, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, condemn the Colombian government's human rights abuses. Um, so that that has happened. Um, but I ha- yeah. I'm not I have not seen any. Um, I've not seen any real. All right, I'm calling it right now. Maybe what I was just referring to was a nightmarish dream because that's how I've been sleeping Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. lately. Anyway, okay, that's cool. AOC is the only one. Well, no, there's been other members of the government, but nothing has actually been done, right? It's like like nice for elected leaders to speak out against the Colombian government, but it would be nicer to stop giving them guns. Yeah. 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 Um... Yeah, um, but a statement, uh, literally, uh, literally the bare minimum uh, would be uh, something. Uh, yeah, thirty-seven protesters have been killed since four days ago. Yeah. So, and again, that's probably super. Oh yeah, low. like that's the just the number that we yeah yeah. Um, and it's yeah. I there's there's I haven't seen any any information about any actions that's been taken. Okay. Um, here's a quote from the end of an article in the Hill. Um, still, the Biden administration is giving the benefit of the doubt to Duque, who is the, the current president, encouraging the government to cool down tempers through dialogue with protest leaders. The uh. Colombian people need to have this conversation. It's not an appropriate time for the U.S. to comment when we haven't gotten all the details, said a Biden spokesman. <laughs> all right. There it is. Um, definitely, definitely not what I imagined ooh, the response was. Lower yeah, than the bare it, minimum. It's wild. Because they commented really fast on the most recent um, uh, escalation of violence by the Israeli government, and I don't know if they had all the details there either. Right, right. But they made us. Oh. They, they sure sure came out uh, swinging. I don't, don't yeah. want to that. No, I no, want to no, say no, no. I I don't know that they ever have all the details before they make stances. But yeah. Anyway. Um. Now that said, we should talk about kind of how how this all has affected politics within Colombia itself. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that's worth noting is kind of prior to the pandemic and everything, you know, yeah, prior to the pandemic um, and really like prior to um, uh, Trump coming into office, actually, um, in the like early aughts and mid aughts, the Colombian people had a very high level of approval for their police, more than 70 percent of the country in the early 2000s. By 2020, that number was just 48 percent. Um, And this process of kind of people drop the people's trust of the police dropping rapidly really kicked off in 2016 um, after a series of human rights abuses uh, and corruption allegations uh, forced the Colombian police forces top commander to resign and more than 1400 police officers were dismissed. Um, So there were a bunch of scandals kind of leading up to the present violence that led to a massive drop in people's trust in the police. There were political demonstrations and riots in 2019 and 2020 uh, about police brutality. Um, Hundreds of protesters were taken unlawfully and detained. Many of them were sexually assaulted or beaten. 13 people were killed. Uh, The abuses were so horrific that the Colombian Supreme Court mandated the government restructure use of force guidelines. So this is all kind of playing into what's happening now. Dang, really sounds like planned Colombia turned things askew here. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It's true. You're talking this. 
all of this stuff starts happening in the early aughts, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it's it's pretty wild because, like, that's all horrible, but also the fact that after uh, police horribly cracking down on protests against police, the Colombian Supreme Court spoke out against the police is so optimistic compared to how things would go with our Supreme Court. Like, it's it's both things at once where it's like, yeah. well, it'd be nice if the Supreme Court would say something about <laughs> what the cops were doing here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, wild stuff. So, yeah, and again, the... um. President uh, Duque, uh, Ivan Duque. Um, I think I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but John, I, I don't like it. Um, he met with head. Colombian protest leaders on Monday, so like literally the day before we we recorded this podcast, um, to try and curb the violence of the mm -hmm. anti-government protests. Uh, protest leaders said the government had shown no empathy for their demands. Uh, the government emphasized basically like, we're not going to decide anything this meeting. We're just trying to explore our options. Putting um, some feelers we really, out. We're putting some feelers out while we shoot you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah, yeah, yeah. Feelers in one hand, guns in the other. Or you're putting on a show. Yeah, you're putting on a to show. To show that you are listening they met, when they you met are. With them. They met, they met yeah. with them in a room. It's, and I am... Uh, I am always deeply, um, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, skeptical? Pes skeptical when I hear the term protest leaders. Yeah. Because boy howdy, mm. has that one gone some bad yes. places yeah. in the past. Um, it's a good sign, I think, that they 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 didn't, you know, kind of cede anything to the government. at the sa and, and that they kind of continue to say, we don't think the government gives a shit about us. There was a line in... Um, a Reuters article uh, on our doc here that I think is interesting. Quote, attendees agreed on the need to reject violence, said High Peace mm. Commissioner Miguel Ceballos, who also repeated the government call for road blockades around the country to be lifted. The government has proposed a further meeting with the strike committee. So it, it is concerning to me. These these protest leaders uh, agreed on the need to reject violence when it's like not them doing most of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, I mean, and maybe all... the way they said it is like we agree the government needs to reject violence. I wasn't in these meetings. And that's I don't the know. way it gets spun. Yeah, that's the way. It and gets just to spun. be clear, the, the blockades <laughs> are a yeah. part of the general strike. Yeah, it's one of the only options mm -hmm. you have when your enemies have helicopters and machine guns, is you can try to block trade mm -hmm. and transit in order to damage the economy. Because as we saw here last year, all the government ever really cares about is the economy. So you hurt the yeah. economy when you're being hurt by then the Then you government. get a meeting. Then you get, yeah. 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 Then you get a meeting. Then you get the women. Oh, sorry. So that was... violent. <laughs> I went Scarface there for a second. I couldn't yeah, stop it. Fine. It's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Well, it's simple. If they want um, the blockades to be lifted, they should do more than just listen <laughs> to this. And agree. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or whatever they, the, they spun, this exploratory meeting. Anyway. Um, yeah, we'll see how how the second meeting goes. I'm sure they'll get a lot more consideration done. They're gonna great meeting, guys. Let's circle back in six months. See yeah, where we're well, at. Well, well, you know, let's say let's say 120 more protester deaths. You know, that's a okay. better that's a better that's a better measure of time. We'll circle yeah. back. No we kill another 120. Yeah, see if you're still gonna blockade. Um. um <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is uh, a lot of uh, you know you wait them out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they're like, oh, we'll do another meeting. We'll, you know, we're considering the conversation. It's an ongoing conversation. It's good to have a conversation. Um, and hopefully, uh, from their perspective, uh, the protests uh, die down. Yeah, you know who else likes to have conversations, Cody? Ah, uh, you, me. I mean, Robert. 
I we. do not. I not hate talking oh, and okay. hate people. No, 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 not Katie, not Katie. But I love uh, the conversations my wallet has with the products and services that support our podcast. Oh, yeah. Exchanging words. Mm-hmm. Exchanging money is so much more eloquent than words, Cody. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, you know, I I don't even when I go on a date now. Um, I don't even talk. I just start reading out debit card numbers. Yeah, not even talks. mine. Um, other people's money yeah. talks just as well. You know, I think you can have a great conversation just with stolen debit card numbers. That's all you really need. Steal some debit cards and have Steal a conversation some debit cards. Mm-hmm. with and these then, sponsors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with your stolen debit cards. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and the last star on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. We're back and just, just loving, loving life, stealing debit cards. Mm-hmm. Stealing debit cards is 
flipping through all our all our twenties, all our hundreds, signed by mm-hmm. Steve Mnuchin. <laughs> are Mnuchins? Yeah, that's the that's the hundred and seven dollar bill. Mnuchin uh, bucks are where it's at. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah. There's one kind of I don't know a number. Obviously, like with any sort of uprising like this, is as horrible as the violence is. There are some positive signs. Um. One of them just is that people are kind of being welded together in an effective force. They're starting to see the the government and the the military police apparatus as a common enemy. Um, rather than dividing amongst themselves and letting it kind of rule. And that's broadly positive. And there's some signs that like maybe what we're seeing in Colombia right now is a growing and a more effective populist movement on the left, mm-hmm. um, which again was heavily battered as a result of, of you know the Colombian military's anti-drug operations. So we may be seeing something new um, being formed kind of in its place. Um, and I'm going to quote here from the New York Times. President Duque, a conservative, has lost significant popularity since the beginning of the pandemic. Colombia will hold presidential elections in 2022. For decades, the country has elected conservative leaders. But Gustavo Petro, a left-wing former mayor of Bogota and former member of a demobilized leftist guerrilla group, now leads in the polls. Mr. Duque, limited by law to one term, cannot run for re-election. The government's response to recent protests could be a significant factor in next year's vote. So that's would be yeah, nice. Yeah, that is a, a, a real positive and like I said earlier, uh, I I am inspired is the wrong word because it sounds like just so trite, but <laughs> it is incredible to see people doing this under the uh, awful circumstances. But this is most likely the way that things actually get done in 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 our our world. Um, yeah. and I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful that you know. I don't know how this resolves, but like you said, long term, that this means is there's some sort of a shift in power that comes, you know, especially after the elections. Yeah. People realizing uh, one term, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only one. Interesting. Um, yeah. That actually, again, a couple of things here I wouldn't mind stealing. Um, yeah. One term presidents. I mean, they still have presidents. So, like, whatever, I mean, yeah, it's not like, like their presidents are good. None of them are ever good. Yeah. But if one you're gonna term have to have one, limit yeah. seems good. If you're gonna have them, maybe limit them to one term, and then once we have them limited to one term, maybe cut it back to half a term. Just a half maybe, term. Maybe eventually years. reduce it to zero terms. So we still elect presidents, but it's a felony for them to serve, <laughs> and we just throw them in prison <laughs> when they win elected. Exactly. Because running for president is conspiracy won. to commit a felony. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we actually have hit upon a great way to improve the political situation in this country. Just, uh, just imprison everybody trying to run for office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's it, the could, law, it wouldn't you know? be worse. It's like, well, we know who you are now. You want to be a politician? All right. Yeah, get the fuck oh, out of here. No, 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 no. Oh, no, that's no. some hard time running for yeah, Congress. Yeah. <laughs> Put some real scumbags behind bars today. Hey, registered his campaign website. We got him. <laughs> we got him. Oh, <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, but so I guess it is. We, yeah, that is uh, that is a, a potentially positive thing. Um, yeah, to see people sort of wake up to certain aspects um, and to yeah have a sort of groundswell of support, uh, not even like support for something, but in opposition of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's where it starts, that's where yeah. it starts. Yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to like. Um, just trying to be optimistic about where this might lead. Um, on a less optimistic note. Um, but also still important note. 
Um, at Bellingcat, my colleague uh, Giancarlo Fiorella, uh, who mm. he and I traveled up and down the eastern seaboard uh, teaching classes on open source journalism, he also teaches a bunch of free classes in Latin America to uh, to journalists in a number of different countries um, who wouldn't be able to, to pay for the training. He's a Venezuelan national. Man, he sounds um, very cool. He's fucking rad. Uh, he has put together a Bellingcat, uh, well, not just an mm-hmm. article, but like a platform. Like, and, and, and currently the map is all in Spanish, but it's a map tracking police violence in Colombia. Um, and this actually started last year in October. It's part of a partnership between Bellingcat and Cerro Setenta. Uh, Cerro Setenta, which is a Colombian news organization that co- news organization that covers social issues. Uh, it's based in the University of the Andes Graduate School, mm-hmm. Journalism Graduate School. Um, and the map is, uh, I'm not going to try to say it in Spanish because I don't want to embarrass everyone else, uh, but it's cartography of police violence is mm-hmm. what it's called. And this is kind of based on reporting that they started doing last fall um, with this uh, this new organization, Cerro Setenta, um, where Bellingcat would provide kind of advice on how to go about open source research for articles they were publishing um, and there were a number of them. One of them was uh, Who Was the Hooded Figure in Galan, which uh, was about a guy wearing a hood who opened fire on protesters in Bogota's Galan neighborhood on the night of September 9th, 2020. Uh, the man was dressed in civilian clothing, uh, wearing a hoodie, and appeared to be working with a group of uniformed police officers. One thing that's been happening in Colombia recently is large numbers of civilian uh, vigilantes with rifles, right-wing vigilantes with rifles, attacking protesters, potentially disappearing protesters. Again, stuff that is happening around the yeah. world. This is just shades you know, of it. I mean, yeah. we are yeah. familiar with yes, a shade yes. of that here. Yeah. Um, another article they worked on together was 94 shots in Verbanal. Uh, it shows the moment that police officers opened fire in a group of demonstrators near a police station in Bogota's Verbanal neighborhood. Uh, three protesters were killed that night. Um, and so they've done a bunch of really good work uh, and are continuing to do work updating this map with other incidents of police violence. It's only available in Spanish currently. I think they're they'll be working on that at some point, but um, you know, uh, uh you could do the translate online. I just yeah, did figure it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it, it's like you click on a a link and it will ask if you want to translate to English. Yeah, but if you just go to bellincat.com, that's currently the main article up yeah. on the site. Um, a new platform maps Colombia's escalating police violence. So check it out. If you want to yeah, look at that's really helpful, depressing yeah. but helpful. Yeah, it's good shit. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, anyone, anyone got any fun news to lead us out of? Oh man, there's a... Belinda Gates divorcing Bill. Yeah, that is pretty Ooh. rad. Cause, cause, pretty cause rad. of his deep and long and creepy yeah. friendship with um with Epstein. Uh, admiration Epstein. Of, uh, yeah. a friendship that started after he was already a convicted sex offender. Um. Wild, many, many you know, flights okay. on the Lolita Express to talk about philanthropy. Think it's noble, Katie, to <laughs> adopt a rescue animal. Is it really any different to adopt a rescue animal than to befriend a convicted sex offender? I would say it is. Okay, that's probably but, fair. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say yeah. Uh, I uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. but you know, I have nice a nice try time. with your gotcha. <laughs> it's just wild when you look at, at, at you know Bill Gates we've talked about Bill Gates on our various programs and shows yeah uh, I'll have to do a BTB about him at some point I think you should he's, he's you a know? piece of shit for sure and just the uh, you know oh but 
he's a philanthropist, you know. Yeah. But no, <laughs> wait, he's a billion, billion, hundreds of billions of dollars, whatever his net worth is. It's a goddamn tax write-off, his mm-hmm. philanthropy, you know. Mm. And using that as a, a justification for having met with Epstein and, you know, whatever various shady explanations he's given he's not a good dude but i have a hard time also believing that melinda gates is very good either no i mean i don't i don't care about either of them and yeah none of us should because whatever happens they'll both be fine like they will both no matter how what happens they'll both remain impossibly rich and powerful so who gives a shit about either of them tax the Um, motherfuckers tax the motherfuckers take their money Maybe also like stop putting them in charge of things. Stop putting them in charge of things. Like they're they don't they're what? Stop it. I think you don't need to be in charge of like solving global health. No. Also, every news app, stop sending us notifications about every step of their divorce. We don't fucking care. Thank you for telling us once. We really don't. Since it's been announced, I want to say every day I get some kind of news alert from some kind of thing about their divorce. Don't care. Sorry. Yeah, I I don't care unless it's more details about Bill's friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. One hundred. Jepstein. Um, I don't know. I uh hate all of this. Uh, <laughs> but I I would I have been thinking if if you know the cult that I'm building ever does overthrow the federal mm-hmm. government and mm-hmm. and put me in power, absolute mm-hmm. power, unchecked power. Of course. Um. I think a good penalty to Bill Gates would be to take all of his money and work in one of those like little bitty computer repair kiosks. And I can't decide if it would be funnier for him to fix Windows laptops that are broken or to make him one of those guys who has to fix the screens on iPhones. I was going to say maybe the screen iPhone or like just like yeah. phones in general. Um, yeah. Because um, no uh, one's going to bring in uh, – what's the fucking Windows phone Windows called? phone? I mean they have a pretty Windows cool one phone. now, but I'm waiting for the Gen 2. Blackberry? Um. Yeah, um, BlackBerry. <laughs> I used a couple to of ninety-year-olds stumble yeah. in with their Blackberries. Um, spill prune juice it. on the keyboard. <laughs> I'll try to use this to pivot to something slightly positive. I don't know. I mentioned this to you guys before we started recording. Uh, a lot of our listeners know that I'm in Arizona dealing with some family stuff, um, and I try to avoid talking politics. With people here, you know, I'm, I'm trying to interact with my, my aunt's friends and get to know them. Yeah. And there are lovely, wonderful people, a lot of them who definitely have a different perspective than me. There was one suggestion of not knowing where the virus came from and Bill Gates's oh, name boy. was brought up. And I said, oh, yeah, well, I, I don't know about that. But I do agree Bill Gates sucks and talk about vaccines. <laughs> if he wants to be a philanthropist, you know, what are we doing advocating for not releasing the vaccine patent, you know? And I pivoted around to that and mm-hmm. brought that further around to saying, how do you feel about taxing billionaires? Oh, yeah. Fuck them. Tax them. Mm-hmm. Tax them. Mm-hmm. So we can thing. find common Everyone ground. Everyone agrees on that. Yeah. There's I a just... lot less division on that specific issue yeah. than and, particularly and actually, billionaires want us to think. And some other issues, not all of the issues that we care about. Mm. But I do think that there are ways that we can take the thread of someone else's perspective and say, well, I don't agree with this part of it, but here's where we can agree. Um, yeah. And I don't know of... that that's productive all the time in all of our relationships. This is case by case. But it's interesting for me as an exercise right now. 
No, I think it's important to find important areas where you can reach compromise without compromising on things that uh, I, I can't be compromised on. And I, and I think a thing that is a positive compromise is, well, what if we what if we make billionaires less rich and use that yeah. money to build better roads and maybe provide health care to people? It's a lot of folks, even who consider themselves more conservative, can get on board with at least aspects of that. And every dollar we chisel out of those motherfuckers' hands um, is a win. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless it goes to sending more military equipment to the Colombian government, which is which yeah. is the second <laughs> aspect of of, of improving material conditions. Yeah. It's just, I you know, I don't expect everybody to agree with people from across, you know, the other side of the political spectrum. I I you know, don't think you can give passes on a lot of things and a lot of conversations. But I do think that there are uh, common ground misconceptions that uh, have festered and grown a lot over the last four years during the pandemic. All of it mm -hmm. that if 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 you can approach the conversation by finding because at the end of the day, most people are, uh, you know, wanting to be able to work and pay for their family. And uh, and you can agree with that. You can agree with basic yeah, things. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're basic inroads and to sort of plant seeds like that and sort of uh, help, yeah, yeah, bridge the divide in those kinds of ways um, and push back on maybe some of uh, the other things. I'll um, share one other thing that I told you guys before just because I uh, enjoyed this part of the conversation. You know, the, the fact that restaurants and other places of work are having a hard time getting people to come back in because, you know... Uh, the federal relief has been and unemployment has been more than what they make at their jobs. And I just said, I understand. I know it's frustrating. I, I, it is frustrating. And I feel for businesses that are trying to get back and they can't find uh, workers, but doesn't it suck that people can work full time and not be able to pay their bills? Like, I feel like the real problem is that we can't, that has to be addressed is that we need to pay people a living wage. And that was a universally agreed upon point. And so it, it, that's just another, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've left these conversations feeling really good, you know, and, and that's, yeah, that's the positive thing that I want to share. I mean, yeah, most I of mean, these I, things people agree on, but like, it's sort of clouded by the culture war bullshit that yeah. dominated yeah. so much of, of, you know, and they discourse. talk about like not trusting the media because it's, all everything's owned by corporations and then get that i know yeah. and then i say it's true on the right and they're like you're right it is you know it, it's the <laughs> i think part of what you're hitting on is the difference between someone says something and there's a an aspect of it you disagree with for example the aspect of that i would disagree with is that like it's negative that um these businesses that aren't treating workers right can't find work that that's but but in the interest of that conversation why would I focus on arguing with someone right. about that? Why can't be like, can we agree the problem is that they're not getting paid enough and that workers yeah. should be able to make a living if they're working full time and we should change the way that part of our society works? Oh, okay. Uh, maybe I don't need to argue about this other fact because it's more important to get you on board with increasing living standards for working people. And if we can get on board with that, I'll argue with you about the other shit later, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. And – and and it's not to say that there aren't going to be frustrating conversations, but I'm I am finding that kind of yeah approach helpful because and these are everybody I've met is wonderful. If any of you guys happen to be listening now, I think you're great, and I really appreciate you. <laughs> you know, because then they were like, "I'll check out your shows." You know, 
And I got nervous. I'm always like, nervous, yeah, when family <laughs> checks out the shows. I was like, great, great, um, great, cool. I'm from California, just so you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> if we're unclear, but you know, it's it's. I I I I really feel positive about some of. This. Yeah, I had a I had a conversation with uh, uh, somebody recently that led that down that path of like, check out the show, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and dur- <laughs> but during that was there was a lot of lot of differing opinions and so on and like he slipped in this thing about uh, Steven Crowder Ooh. and like liking oh, yeah. his whole thing I was like okay yeah, yeah there are check, some things that out. we just don't go into right now yeah <laughs> like, but then but then I uh, when I saw that person again later uh, like a week later they were like oh, I saw your show uh, yeah Biden sucks right and I was like yeah right that's fine well and then there's that it was lucky no, that the most recent okay. episode was about like yeah well, we can start there <laughs> but why does he is the it's question it's a good yeah. common ground well and and that was another part of it like no, just flat out not trusting politicians mm-hmm. and I get that just flat out not on either side mm-hmm. yeah and, and I can think agree th- with this that this is a problem get the money out of politics you know yeah and I think kind of where you have to go from there is okay you, we agree politicians are corrupt and they suck and they do across the board right now your thing is I want to find someone who's not a politician to elect you know which is kind of the idea with Trump he's not a politician right. so he'll be a better mm-hmm. politician and instead like okay let's take that starting point and get to Perhaps we don't need politicians. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they none of them are, are are helping our society. Perhaps they're completely unnecessary and only serve to stoke divisions and make things worse for everybody. Um, which you can get a lot of people on board with, and when you get them on board with that, a lot of uh, possibilities for fun thinking uh, open up. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway. Ah. Oh. I guess that Things are going to be today. fine and good is yeah. the conclusion, yes? Oh, good as hell, Cody. Good as hell. Anyway, if you're in Colombia, um, you know, use water and not milk to wash your eyes out with tear gas. I'm sure you guys fucking know that. I keep yeah, getting that stuff right. from American protesters, you know, milk in your eyes for... Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. But I'm sure y'all have been tear gas no, yeah. more than enough at this point. I don't know. Whatever. It's it's useless for me to say anything, but but good luck and keep fighting, you know? And we're wa- we're covering it. We're talking about it. Yeah, we're we'll about we'll it. keep we'll keep looking at this. Um, if I hadn't had my passport stolen recently, you know, I would be, mm. I'd be down there. But uh, yeah. oh, you know what? I do want to note a friend of mine is down there, um, who's a much better person to cover this than I am. Um, his name is Sergio Olmos. Um, he's been in Colombia for the last couple of days, uh, reporting and doing a lot of like he's been live tweeting a lot of his reporting. Right. You can find him at Mister M R O L M O S. Um, and yeah, he's, he's fucking great. Uh, he's a wonderful journalist. Uh, and again, you know, um, uh, uh, he's doing a much better job than I would uh, ever have been able to do with the same story. So, uh, check him out, support him whatever way you can. Uh, good luck out there, Sergio and good luck everybody in Colombia. From the bottom of the sea. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening. Lovely. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. 
And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.